This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. Welcome again to our, oh my gosh, this is almost going to be the last study of Acts. Got maybe one or two to go, and then we'll wrap it up um, by looking at all the different uh, passages where the Holy Spirit acted, and ones where he didn't, uh, and then look at that, and basically see what the Holy Spirit does do according to the text. So, um, before we begin, we shall pray. Can I have a volunteer to pray for us as we... I didn't volunteer, but I can. <laughs> you've, you've, you've been volunteered. <laughs> Great. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we are so grateful that you're our Father. We're always grateful that we're your children and we've been adopted into your family. We're so grateful for that. And we thank you for the love that you've shown us. You have been um, in our lives, all of our lives, even when we didn't know you were with us, you've always been with us and you guided us right up to this very moment in time. We're thankful for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for your wonderful word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives within us and guides us. And we pray, Father, as we continue to wait before you, that you will open up our eyes so that we can see wonderful things in your word, even tonight. We thank you for our family and our friends, not only our spiritual family, but our physical family and friends. And we pray your blessings upon them. We also pray, Father, that as you've been good to us, you will be good to the poor and to the hungry, to those who are living in fear and to those who are living in war-torn areas. We pray for the rulers of our nations that we have been talking about, that you will give them wisdom and that they will rule for peace. And we pray most of all that everyone will come to know the peace that we have with you. Again, Father, we love you very much. We pray that we will grow in our love for you every day. Please be with us in this study. May it honor you. May that be the sole desire of our lives, this study in our lives. And we pray this in our Lord's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, <clears throat> we traditionally read the notes from the previous study, which was unfortunately about three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Because we had Hanukkah in the, in the middle, where we had a lecture on Hanukkah and the Maccabees, and then we had uh, Christmas. So we, we, it's been about three weeks since we last met. So the last chapter we had studied was Acts 27, and it went something like this. Despite the court appearance by Paul, he'd been brought forward in front of King Agrippa, and, and Festus, King Agrippa does not provide the Roman governor Festus with any real help in formulating his report to Caesar Nero. And it is off to Rome we go, in a very detailed chapter on the journey taken to get there. Why is such detail required by Luke? Because in some previous parts of Acts, Paul will visit a city like Derby and you get one sentence. And yet we need to get to Rome and you have this incredible detail we sailed here we went there we stayed three days we met this guy we ate a bag of chips 
um, and, and wonder why. To whom would these details be useful to? Perhaps to reveal the character of Paul to his accusers in Rome? What do we make of these details in the pages of sacred history? This is the Bible. This is sacred history. Why is this much detail given? Perhaps these questions can only be asked if not actually answered. Now, the we passages resume in the narrative, indicating that Luke now as an eyewitness to much of the events described. Cruise shipping has yet to be invented for the masses, and thus passage on a private vessel is purchased. Aristarchus is mentioned as accompanying the companions. Apparently, he had actually been part of the company since Macedonia. And it was like in Acts 16. And, uh, and was also imprisoned with Paul. This seems to be what is implied in Colossians 4, verse 10. Yet, we haven't heard of him before. Suddenly, he just shows up. Paul is under the guard and care of a centurion named Julius. Not all Roman soldiers are named. This one is. Who secures passage on an Alexandrian grain merchant bound for Rome. Rome was heavily dependent on Egyptian grain to feed its burgeoning population, and merchants would brave the storms to profit from the Roman need. Caesar Claudius even insured merchants against storm loss. So great was the need for food in Rome. That is, you had a boat full of grain, you would sail it in a storm, because even if it sank, Claudius is going to pay you anyway. Right? And I'll... Yeah. Well, the owner of the ship. Thus, we find our companions heading into a storm, despite Paul's warning, due to the greed of the ship's captain. Paul has had some experience with shipwrecks. We read 2 Corinthians 11, and it describes several shipwrecks, three actually, and several and near-death experiences. So he is equipped to advise against sailing. I've seen this before, and it doesn't go well. During the storm, the crew jettison the cargo, batten down the hatches, and do their best to avoid disaster. Despite their valiant efforts, all seems lost, and a watery grave seems inevitable. Paul has an angelic visitor who reveals some extra information that even Jesus had not disclosed, in that Paul would not die, instead he would stand trial before Caesar in Rome. Now remember... Paul had been in prison, and he had Jesus show up. And Jesus had said, you've been my witness in Jerusalem, you will be my witness in Rome. But then didn't tell him how long it was going to take to get there, or the shipwreck, snake bite, or anything else that was going to happen. And now on the ship, an angel shows up and says, you're even going to stand before Caesar, which even Jesus hadn't said. So we discussed how revelation does not always come with dis- with disclosure of all the details right much of the walk we actually have to walk out and discover ourselves revelation does not negate trust right and perhaps that's the key perhaps the key is you get revealed a bit of the future and then and then we have to trust god that it's actually all going to work out even though we might not know how because if you did know absolutely everything that would actually change the way you experienced the everything. Yeah. And perhaps that is not what God wants. In all the details provided, we see that Paul is calm and he's in charge. He does not panic 
or become despondent. He encourages and supports the efforts of the crew and those around him, even though they are in essence pagans and non-believers. He alerts the Roman guard of the crew planned escape in the lifeboat. He encourages the crew to eat and keep their strength up, and he dissuades the Romans from killing the prisoners once the ship begins to break up. In all his actions, Paul is courageous and honourable. We discussed then how we should behave during chaos with those around us, particularly the non-believers. Right? Paul is on a ship, and what does he not do to them? He doesn't preach to them. Right? You have, you have lots of detail about what happens on the ship, and you get no details about, and six prisoners came to faith. Right? So heavily detailed in some areas, completely lacking in information on something else. Luke notes that the vessel has 276 souls on board, and the angel informs Paul that while a ship will be lost, none of the passengers, crew, or soldiers will be lost. Uh, as prophesied, this indeed happens, and the travelers are washed up on what we discover to be the island of Malta. And in all of that detail, the one person who's not mentioned is Holy Spirit. We have no, no word from the Holy Spirit. We have no uh, record of a prophecy or, or anything or miracle or anything like that. He's uh, silent. As we often find through the book of Acts, he comes in, he does something, yes, and then large sections of silent time. Um, and we'll make a comment about that uh, at the end of our, our study. Um, so if anybody was here, did I recover every base from three weeks ago? Anyone remember three weeks ago? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was last year. Okay, so we are on to the final chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28. So as is our tradition, did you guys want some Bibles? Are you okay? Uh, sure. Yeah. Do we have any Bibles before I go offering any? I'm a good listener. <laughs> uh, you might have to do that. Yeah, that's good. There's one, I think, in... Ooh, that's old. I don't know if that's going to be helpful, but it's... I think it's King James Red Letter and about the same age as King James. <laughs> it's his personal signed autograph copy. Yeah. All right. So for the rest of us who actually have our Bibles, yep, 28, Acts 28. I'll, I'll start. So once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. But when Paul had collected the bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, the viper came out because the heat it fastened unto his hand. When the native swords lay hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. <laughs> However, they were expecting that he would sweat up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no arm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. 
and the same orders were in possession of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us with many honors. And as we put out to sea, they put on board the things for our needs. After three months, we set sail in a ship from Alexandria that had entered at the island with the twin brothers at its figurehead. We put in it. Uh, Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there we circled around and reached the region. And after one day the south wind blew. And the next day we came to Theoli. Where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days. So we went toward Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming and they traveled as far as the forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And after three days, he called together those who were the leading men of the Jews. And when they came together, he said to them, Men, brothers, though I have done nothing against the people or the customs of our fathers, I have been delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hand of the Romans. When they examined me, they wanted to release me because there was no basis for the death penalty. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking about this sect. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were persuaded by the things which he was said, but others did not believe. So when they disagreed among themselves, they began leaving after Paul had said one last statement. The Ruach HaKodesh rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your fathers. Go to this people and say, you will ever, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will ever be seeing but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that they should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. 
For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Okay. So, on an initial reading, anything there that stands out? Anything there you noticed for the very first time? Anything there you notice every single time you read it? Not the first time, but it stood out to me at one point. You know, I've been reading it for years, where it got to the point where some believed and some believed not. Mm -hmm. And it just went through my mind, and so it has been ever since. Yeah. That when the word goes out. Some do. Those do. Some don't. Those don't. That's what the Lord is making out of us. Yep. The wheat and the tares grow up together. Yeah. Well, you're, um, you're, you made mention of the fact that there was no mention made of him teaching anybody about Christ on the ship on the way over. And here we see him do it. Yep. He does it, and then we see him continually doing it after. Yes, which makes the absent in the previous chapter very interesting. Like, yes, why does Luke not say we that? No, he did. There's no way he was on board. Could you imagine Paul? Yeah. No. Not saying anything. Yes, yeah. I've got you all trapped on a boat. You've got nothing else to do. Yes. Yeah. I'll change channel and, and I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Abs yes, particularly arguments. Yes. Yep. You know the, 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 the phrase of the lines, the natives showed us unusual kindness. Mm, yeah. That makes you think about when the natives they met beforehand, mm. or was it the same natives that should come across? Again. Well, the, the word native there in the Greek is barbarian, barbaros. Barbarians. Barbarous yeah, barbarous peoples, is it? Yeah. Because that's actually what. Because in Greek, barbaros is the onomatopoeia of what they thought that they heard. If you never understood other, what other people were speaking, they went ba 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 ba. So they called them barbarian. Anybody who didn't speak Greek was a barbarian. But, yeah. So we translate that. The natives, <laughs> but that's actually not what the Greek says. Yeah, Luke just called them what they were called. Anybody who didn't speak Greek is a barbarian. Everybody's onomatopoeias are different. You know, Correct. Like if you ask someone how a chicken goes or a rooster, yeah. you know, and you see, but they thought dogs went bar bar. Yeah, and so they sounded like dogs. And that's why they were called barbarians. Anybody who did not speak Greek was but barbarian. The yeah. Persians were barbarians. Right. Uh -huh. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I think it's just observance about the, uh, the, you know, the native people yeah. really favored with the Paul. And it shows, it, it seems to me that this, this is a, the, the performance of the spirits in the invisible way. Actually, you know. The, the well, they they think he's a the, god. The, the natives to the, the spirit is overwhelming. He's sure. in charge, even at that time. Sure, the, has to the, be. The native, yeah, must be. This is a part of the things which you said the invisible spirits is working there in the in the chapter twenty-eight. Yes, but the the the, yeah. the islanders, these barbarians, yeah. they think Paul's a god. Yeah. Which, which unfortunately has happened before. Like, every time it's like, hi, how are you doing? It's a god. Oh, for crying out loud, you know. And the image of Paul must be impressive because he 
he was not afraid of the snake. That no, he's not at all. Away. Yeah. And like uh, he is maturing yeah. in cooperating with the Lord. Always. Yeah. Oh, no, not, not always. He is now. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> At the end of the chapter. Right. Okay. At the, throughout our little study, uh, we've been asking ourselves, I wonder what the document is about. Like, why are we writing this? We often would describe the book of Acts as, you know, people would say, the history of the church. And yet, most of it's actually not about the church at all. Right? It's about a, a small bit of it. Like, we go, to, we go to Jerusalem, and all we hear about is, is Paul. What about the rest of the people who are in Jerusalem? Right? And we never hear about them at all. Um, uh, I know that some people uh, think that, that this is a document for Paul's trial. You know, this is the, the, uh, one of the defense documents. And yet, Acts doesn't talk about what happened at the trial. Like, it stops at... And then he, he spoke to Caesar and he was given acquittal and uh, now we're all happy. She mentions no, they get to Rome and there's no appointment made to actually keep the trial going. In fact, when he gets there, what do the Jewish people say hasn't happened? We haven't heard anything from Jerusalem. And we don't even know why you're here. I mean, um, at some point, somewhere along the way, even the Romans will probably be saying, why are we doing this again? Um, so, because even your accusers haven't even been bothered to send an accusation, yeah. which is interesting. Maybe they were the accusers. Yeah, the accusers, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so let's have a look at the text and see what we 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 we, we have can examine and learn. Because uh, at least we also at least get one reference to the Holy Spirit in this in this chapter. Okay, so... How far did you read all through the chapter? Yes, we read all, all of it. Uh, There's something I found interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so chapter 15. Yep. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by by boat. Yeah, that was uh, last week's, uh, that was chapter 27. <laughs> okay, well, no wonder it was confusing. <laughs> yeah. So, in, no problem. So, 28 verse 1. So, they're safely on shore, and they find out that they're actually in Malta, or uh, Mylite in, uh, in, in the Greek. So, uh, which had been subdued by the Romans about 300 years prior to... Um, Paul being there and had become um, part of the province of Sicily and uh, uh, and and yet when they're on the island what do they discover people are not speaking Latin hmm. so the inhabitants of Malta uh, were originally Phoenicians uh, Phoenicians All right. and they still retain Malta still has its own language. Yeah. Yep. So even though. Okay, now, sorry? 
somebody can communicate to them and the Romans do have a governor there so obviously he speaks Latin or Italian or whatever language and even gives in his name but so they, they arrive and they, they apparently wash up on the, the, the part of the, the island which was not inhabited by uh, the main governor like the, so the barbarians the islanders, the natives, the locals for want of a better word are the ones that find them and out of the 276, maybe one or two of them could, could communicate, but the majority cannot, because we'd get very little dialogue between our group and, and them. Just a few, few snippets. Um, so the islanders showed us some unusual kindness in verse 2. Now, why would that be an interesting thing to note, perhaps in a Bible, <laughs> but also in a historical text? Because hospitality is quite big. Hospitality is quite big? Mm -hmm. I think Paul lived Christ at the end of his journey. He's totally mature and he shows the beauty of inner the word shining. And even the, uh, you know, we are okay, even the native are created in, with the Spirit of God. So they sense it. Could it be? <laughs> Something, because the the... Uh, the island, like all shipping, um, what do you get when you move lots of goods and ships around and everything's valuable? Who likes to come out and attack you? Pirates. And so, yeah, and so most island people didn't like it when complete strangers showed up. Right? So, but these guys, that's what they did. They're unusual. Why would they? They would normally think, oh, who are these, these pirates? But instead, they actually show kindness. And while they can't communicate very much, the text says they build a fire. At least they can see that we need to help these guys. So they construct a fire, they put up some lodging, they make sure that they're warm. And, um, and, uh, and in verse 3, we discover that um, Paul isn't uh, sitting around and um, doing nothing. He was working. He was getting out there and getting in and picking up sticks like everybody else. And, uh, and that's a good thing. He's like Jesus. Yes, he's shining like the Messiah. What, we, we believe in a king who turned around and washed people's feet. Right? And so, and Paul reflects that. Um, just because I'm an apostle doesn't mean I can't go pick up sticks. And, uh, yeah. He probably also didn't have chains on at this stage. <laughs> okay. Right, um, yeah. So, uh, so he goes out and he starts picking up sticks, and so it shows that he's servant heart. And then this this snake episode comes out. Now there are snakes on Malta today, but none of them are poisonous. So they were poisonous several thousand years ago. Um, e ecology, flora and fauna, animal populations do move throughout history. What animals used to be here in this country, according to the Bible? Lions. And bears. And there are none of those now. And so again, uh, in Malta, there are snakes there. The, the snakes in Malta today are not poisonous. That means that uh, the, the non-venomous snake population outbred, out-hunted, did something so that the venomous population disappeared. So whatever that happens, I'm sure some biologists could tell us how that works. Um, 
Uh, so he gets bitten, and uh, and he just it just says he he shakes it off. Yeah. Yeah. It, what's interesting about this this thing is you have a sacred text, you have a, a, a rabbi dude, and you have a snake. That that and and nothing happens to him. That actually happens to other rabbis in Jewish tradition, and uh, it's recorded in uh, the Talmud about a famous uh, rabbi called Hanina Ben Doza. Anyone heard of him? No. Fair enough. Uh, so he's he's famous f- f- for saying uh, a few of the early Mishnahs, and uh, he was known as a very righteous uh, man. And so there's a, a story about him. It says in a certain place there was a lizard or a snake, which used to injure people. They came and they told the rabbi Hamania ben Doza, and he said to them, "Okay, show me its hole." They showed him its hole, and he put his heel over the hole. The snake came out and bit him. And it died. Wow. <laughs> so he put it on his shoulder and he brought it off to the Beit Midrash and he said to them, See, it's not the lizard that kills, it's the sin that kills. And so, uh, think theologically now. What are the Jewish people th- thinking uh, causes diseases and illnesses? Sin. Yeah. And uh, if you want to avoid... Uh, an early grave, what do you have to do? Be righteous. Be righteous. Yes. And uh, so it, it, we've got some of that theology in the Bible. We've got some things that say against that too. But you can see that in the Jewish tradition, they're also thinking that if you're righteous, you'll be okay. In some, some, some places it does, yes. But in other places, it also still says that the righteous die and, and the wicked prosper. And we're not sure why. So it does say both. Yeah. Okay. So you have you have these stories of righteous rabbis being able to avoid particularly venom and and and, and snakes. And uh, what's the famous uh, snake incident in the Old Testament? Mm. Uh, well, yes, one of them. <laughs> Moses. Yes, it's Moses. it's Moses. Yeah. So you've got a sin in the camp, and uh, and so God sends vipers right to to deal with that and then the cure is most interesting what's the cure snake Snake on a pole right and so some so on one hand the snake can be something that that kills you and on the other hand it can be something that cures you and this this yeah and i'm quite sure why god decides to do that but he does well what i'm thinking when i hear that only sin kills so the vipers coming in, the sin is going after them, and he became sin for us, and then they held that up. They stuck it on a pole. Yeah. So all that imagery yeah. that uh, yeah. that comes Way in. Back. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you have uh, you have this this our incident here is our righteous man who's behaved unbelievably well through the storm in all all forms is now doing his best to help out and build a fire. Snake comes, nothing happens. He throws it into the into the into the flames. So what do our uh, little barbarians do? Well, their first response was correct because he's done something wrong. It's sin, right? You say so, right? So they're going, okay. 
you've sinned, he's bad, uh, okay, so he got off the boat, you know, the gods didn't judge him, but don't worry, they got him eventually. So let's just watch. Yeah. <laughs> so then they, they switched the tactic, wow, the gods aren't punishing him, he is a god. Um, he was God because Christ did anything. Right, but he's not—he's not God. God yeah. in terms of like God. He's yeah. got part he's of not God. To be worshipped. Yeah, he's not, that, yeah. that's they right. Were going as far as that. As that. Well, what we have here is, it says that they think he was a God, and then they stop. Like we have no information then of what Paul's what reaction is. This, we in the previous time Paul gets called to God, we get our. Uh, two paragraphs of don't worship me I'm just a human and blah, 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 like all this kind of stuff here nothing so you're a god okay. I mean it's probably not what he said or didn't say but it is interesting that uh, the text sometimes just stops it doesn't whether it doesn't need to or doesn't want to or doesn't feel like it has to maybe the writer thinks it's implied could be yeah, I mean, we... Also, what occurs to me, too, that you said there's nothing about the Holy Spirit, but that, right there, that's a statement, right? There. Could be, that yeah. The Spirit of the Lord is protecting him. Mm-hmm. He is, after all, the gift of the Spirit. Yeah. It seemed to me that Paul was really, at the end of his journey, he was really permeated with the Spirit of Christ. And he does things, it doesn't show that, you know, it's a such a miracle. He just does it this way, this way. And everybody submits it to the performance of his behavior. Well, this some, is something really awesome. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. now that he has been bitten by a snake and not died, mm-hmm. and we don't know what the, re- the other 276 people respond, we have no clue well, from their response. Yeah. We don't know what the, there was. There's, there would have been conversations, okay. obviously. But we don't know what they were. Um, the text is a little bit blank. In verse 8, what do people have? Uh, what other translations have you got? What's yours say? You got the King James there, brother? What's it say, John? Yeah. Lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux with dysentery. Dysentery. Uh, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed Yeah. So we, we meet the Roman governor. So the, the high officials are now told them that there's this uh, uh, stranded crew on his island. So he uh, goes to meet them, I guess. Maybe to see uh, what's gone wrong. It says that... It just says chief man. It doesn't say Roman governor. doesn't say Roman governor? Okay. No, no. The it's chief. My thing is native chief. No, this no. is a... Uh, no. This is a uh, Latin name, and uh, the word in Greek is protos, so he's the, um, the head guy. Ah, okay. Yeah, and um, the chief official of the island, it doesn't matter, I guess, what the translation is, he welcomed us into his home and he showed us generous hospitality for three days. Why do you think he does that? He actually has no obligation to do this. Yeah. He's the son of the man that was healed, right? Um, I know. No, his, his father is sick. That's the next, the next sentence is his father's sick, suffering from a fever and dysentery. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul goes in to see him. 
And it's interesting, after prayer, he placed his hands on him and healed him. So you end up with this, this the power of the, of the, not just the prayer, of, but also the laying on of hands. Um, so what was your question? Why, does, why would who do that? Who why, would the, why would the chief of the island... Remember, there are 276 of these people. Um, he is under no obligation to assist them. No, they, we don't have a social services back in, in the day. But was right? the healing before or after the assistance? The, that's a good question. But it was after. Well, the sickness could be the motivation for inviting him, and if it was after, it could be the gratitude for inviting him. Could be, yeah. So the the in, the actual timing of all, like the, those verses seven and eight, might be not as easily construed. And after maybe he heard that people told him that snake bite him and he didn't die. Yeah. Or okay. So what do yeah? What do Romans? What's in Roman? Uh, pantheon in their belief system. Now we call them pagans, but they're actually religious. Yeah. Okay, like just because you're a pagan doesn't mean you don't actually believe in something. Okay? I mean, they actually really do. And in in, in um, the Roman tradition and the Greek tradition, what is one of the things they believe? They actually believe that gods come down. Right? They they, they take they they come down and they interact uh, with with humanity. Yes, they sense the divinity. The divine power right. upon this person. Yeah. Just like you know, traditionally, they they can sense. Yeah, because the the natives the, the natives most likely thought yeah. that the god um, of justice was punishing uh, Paul, mm -hmm. right? Because they actually believed that the goddess goddess uh, her name is Daiki, and Daiki, and she she runs around in human form on the planet. And reports back to to Zeus, so and so has done something. Make sure you get him. And she works uh, closely with her sister, Nemesis. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, so she, Nemesis, is the goddess of vengeance. And so justice, Daiki, and Nemesis. These are the two goddesses that run around on the planet and make sure that everybody's getting their comeuppance. Do Daiki and Nemesis get along? I have no clue. <laughs> I'm going to say no, but, you know, right. but, uh, but anyway, I don't think any of the gods in, in the Roman pantheon got on. Always fighting each other. Um, and so if, if someone has just come to the governor and said, you know, a god just washed up on shore, um, what would his most likely reaction be? Welcome, God. Please come in. Yeah, let me feed you and wine you and dine you. And here are my slaves. And um, even if the guy keeps saying, "But I'm not a god." Yes, that's absolutely correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Only the true Messiah would deny his <laughs> divinity. So um, yeah, all these things. I think they're also very curious. What kind of person is this? They want to find out. You know, how could he behave and act like this way? Yeah. Yeah. Is he? Part of our God that we worship, yeah. we, we call Roman God whatsoever. They want to know, yeah. figure out who Paul was. The his yeah. personality. Because he's not, he's not the captain of the ship. Remember, Paul's a prisoner. Yeah. And uh, and you got you got Roman soldiers, yeah. you've got the the ship's crew, you've got other prisoners, uh, some of them who are believers, 
including Luke and Aristarchus and anybody else who's shown up, uh, and any other passengers who happen to be billeted uh, on, on, this, on this ship. So the, the governor, he doesn't have a house or a, a, a hotel with 276 rooms. So, yeah, well, he'd have to palm these guys out to the rest of the village. So the rest of the village is also welcoming in um, these, this, this ship crew and feeding them and hosting them and making sure they're all fine. So the whole uh, community is also responsible. And you get the healing bit. Okay, Dad's not well, and he's got dysentery. I mean, I really um, tell you exactly what's going on here. Uh, and says has a bloody flux. A bloody flux. Yes. It's dysentery. <laughs> yeah, he's got diarrhea. He's got. So, this could be a really serious thing. Yeah, most likely, probably was going to kill him. Uh, uh, lots of people died of this, these types of, of illnesses. And they, yes, and they still do today. That is correct. Yep. Mosquito is one of the biggest killers on the planet. Right. Yep. You, you think you could also throw in the fact that Julius was an imperial guard as well. I mean, it doesn't hurt to be friendly toward people who are that well connected. That's right. Yeah. And yes, because he's a guy's a centurion. Yep. Yes, yeah, centurion. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's not just a normal yeah. So we could also assume that there's probably a Roman garrison on this island too. And so the Roman garrison would talk to the Roman soldiers and they would all you know, make these uh, acquaintances. But um, Paul does something which really helps the entire, all 276 of them. He cures the guy's dad. And the way he does it is very interesting. Praise and lays on hands. Now we have, haven't had those many of those types of healings before. Right? We've had all types of healings through the Book of Acts, and they and they come in all different sizes and shapes, including the holy handkerchief of Antioch, right, where we take his his headband and and the very sweat of a of an apostle somehow cures people when you mail it to your sick friends. Um, here, you you have a what seems to be uh, what sets up a pattern for us as as followers of the Messiah mm-hmm. to do our healings. Mm-hmm. Which is we pray and we lay on hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow that action, that physical action, is just as valid, if not more, and in conjunction with a verbal prayer. So it's not that we fold our hands, pray, and then you should be healed. We physically touch. Why do we have to do that? I don't know. Why did Jesus have to spit in the ground once and make mud? Why didn't he just say? There were, for sometimes there is a physical action to, our, to what we do as humans, vis-a-vis each other. And, and I think other than a physical action, there's a transference. You know, like once somebody hugged me and instantly my body just felt at peace and like melting. Mm-hmm. And when uh, a lady, Canaanite woman, once she touched Jesus' tzitzit and she was cured, and what did Jesus say? My power go out. Exactly. That there is that transference. We have with us, inside of us, the spirit, yes? And sometimes you can give it out. And, and, and at the beginning of the book of Acts, we wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which means filled up. 
immersed. Why? Because sometimes you'd be giving it out. And how many times can you get baptized in Jewish tradition? I think the lame hands in the book of Hebrew, Paul, and we have very, very profound teaching about laying of the hands because he taught about the sacrifice in the time of the desert. Remember when they have a tabernacle? Yeah. And they were giving the five kind of sacrifices? And Jesus was the sacrifice in reality. He's the Passover. He's the Passover. And also the lamb of different kind. He's sacrifice of peace, of trespass, uh, you know, the, the sinful the sin offerings, sin offering, trespass, peace offering, wave offering, and what is this a kind of a resurrection power, those kind of things. I think Paul is all very uh, much an understanding of the Old Testament. So he laid hand is the first time. Jesus also laid hand, right? Did Jesus lay hand? I don't recall, no, I don't recall no. any yeah. gospel passage where it says he does. But, but, but the 12 disciples, they end on the sick. Right, he, that's right. He lay, yeah. Yes, he, yes he, did. he did. He lays hands on them. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it's... So, so Christ is all the reality of the sacrifices. So he lay hand, which means he, he lay hand on Christ and Christ on them. Could it be like this way? Because he is so Old Testament oriented. <laughs> Paul, according to... Well, we only have the Hebrew Bible at this stage. Yeah, Book of Hebrews says yeah. a lot of sacrifices. Jesus gave one time sacrifice for all. Right. He is, a, indeed, he is indeed. The, the, the Passover offering. So, this is what I've been wanting to know. How, what's the mystery of the laying hand? Of course, as you say, it flew out of the Spirit inside us. How about where is the spirit came from? From the sacrifice of Christ on cross and all the things. Well, the, the, the spirit comes from the Father. Come to the Father? That's right, because you, you, the Yeshua says, I have yes. to go so that the Father can send the, send the spirit. And we don't know why he says that, but he says that in, yeah. in Acts chapter 1. And, uh, and then says, and you're going to and so stay because you will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You will be filled up. And, uh, and in Jewish baptismal practice, you get baptized as many times as you like. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the thing. When, in, our, in our understanding of baptism, we can only think of the one baptism, mm -hmm. which is to join the community. But if you're Jewish and you're hearing, you're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You have, you have a mikveh. When do you have a mikveh? Every day. Oh, right. Every day. I've been baptized Every. five times and people are like... <laughs> Why would you do that? Yeah. But that's, that's because in our tradition, we well, kind of I miss... didn't plan ahead of time to do it five times, but it was progressive. Sure. But in terms of being baptized in the Spirit, you want to be baptized in the Spirit every day. You want to be filled up with the Spirit every day. And we want to be able to share the Spirit every day. But also Jews believe that they can... I mean, the Holy Spirit... Um, comes to them? When? Today? Yeah. Yes. So this is another, I mean, to support again uh, what you said, that the, the Holy Spirit comes from the Father. Yes. Well, Yeshua says so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's why we put it in our creeds, you know, that yeah. uh, the, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. What okay. was your question? 
Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> but it, 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 in terms of like the laying on of hands, uh, is yeah, the, the text deliberately describes that this is the way we cure dad. And obviously now, um, uh, word gets around. And so what do the people do? They bring everybody. All right, and so now we're, we're now we're, yeah, okay, yes. So lots of lots of people could. What does the text not say? What does the text not say? Now remember, our tradition, particularly in the West, is just to read what's in the text. But in Jewish tradition, what's not there is just as important. Just as important. What does what is not mentioned? We've got lots of people bringing. They're sick, and they're being cured. So our text mm -hmm. just wants to tell us that. But what does it not tell us? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get the big speech of Paul. Like We've had big speeches before. We don't have the big... And then Paul stood up in the forum and said, Now I'm healing everybody by the power of the Spirit. This is God. I'm not a God. This is it's not, not Zeus. It's not Apollos. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Blah, blah, blah. See, I'm doing it. And we said, Oh, yes, we're all going to become believers in Jesus. But no, we don't get any of that. What we... Oh, I'm sorry. Um... That's one of the things that makes me wonder about the writer. I'm not up on my my writers of you know various books. Oh, this is Luke. Um, he seems. I just wonder if he seems to not want to be redundant, and he knows well certain things were already written. You mean somebody else wrote this? No, no. no but Luke. Um, was not wanting to repeat himself, perhaps. But he's assuming that you would know that this is what's happened. It's possible. I mean, we don't have the outpouring with baptism, which we had in previous parts. Remember in the book of Acts, they were very clear to say they heard, then the, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and we'll, we'll touch people and heal them, but we don't seem to heal, touch them with our hands. To yeah. Yeah. These parts of the story somehow just become blank. And we don't know the real reason why. We can speculate. We're not sure. How do, you th how do you think the crew feel now? How do you think the 276 people feel about Paul? So, I mean, Julius, when he left Caesarea, he had a prisoner. Right? Now, suddenly, we've got a guy. You've saved us all. Uh, you're curing just everybody left, right, and center. Nothing can kill you. Um, what was I thinking? You know, so, yeah, we don't get any of this kind of steel uh, deal. But the you could imagine that the crew probably think very highly of Paul right about now, right? Yes. And um, when shall we sail? We're not sailing until he says so. <laughs> okay. Right. And then it just jumps to after three months. That's right. Yeah. After three months. So what else did you do, Paul? Did you plant a church? Okay. I mean, we don't have the epistle to the Maltese, do we? Right? We've got Corinth, we've got Rome, we've got, we don't have you know letter to the Maltese. Okay? Please give me my falcon back. Um, we don't have any of that kind of stuff. So we just get three months, another ship has shown up, another Alexandrian grain ship. Remember the, the Romans are addicted to, to Egyptian wheat. Uh, they got a million people in their city and uh, it, that's a lot of mouths to feed. And, um, and 
in in my chapter, uh, my verse eleven, it mentions that um, the ship has the twin gods Castor and Pollux on it, okay, which were were the sons of Zeus. Now I don't know why it needs to mention that. What does yours say? It it says that uh, it has a figurehead of of the two. They, they are the sons of Zeus, okay, Castor and Pollux. I don't know why we need this information, but. Because normally, you know, Avodah is not highly regarded in Jewish circles. And they looked in the safe, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like, um, you're going, okay, so you've, you've mentioned the detail of what's sticking on the boat. Can you please tell me what you did for three months? <laughs> I'm really keen. Like, have you got another speech of Paul? I mean, uh, I mean, the things that he includes and the things that he doesn't are very interesting. Okay, in terms of... Uh, yeah, there you go. So is yes. this um, a locator? The sign, was it on the boat? Or was it, on, you know, stuck in the dirt, like a street sign would be? The figureheads? Uh, so, caster and uh, be the, On the prow. So it's okay, a... It's yep. on the ship. Yeah, yeah. Everyone would see this, this yeah. thing. So, um, yeah. Did they represent uh, the protecting gods? They do. Right? That's correct. So it's interesting. Yes. Yes, it's like, what are you trying to tell us? It, uh, uh, and I, I couldn't find a good commentary at all. Mm. You, know, you scour the things and most people just ignore it. Or they mention, these are the twin sons of Zeus. Okay, but why are we mentioning that they're stuck on the boat in the first place? Is it the name of the boat? So he's identifying what boat it was? Uh, no, no, no. Maybe we'll the find out later. <laughs> No, the the new one that they pick up. Yeah. Well, maybe it was to show who their reliance and dependency. Well, this would be another pagan Alexandrian ship, and so they're doing exactly according their tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they show up. And uh, and they they we get their little journey. They go to Syracuse, and um, and then they set to this re regium. I'm not 100 sure where they are, but they uh, parts of Sicily. It's up north. Yeah, that's Calabria. That's, okay. Uh, so we It's basically opposite Sicily. Aha. Uh -huh. So it's, yep. So they get to the, the, the rounded the Sicily. Narrow, no, yep. There is a narrow yes. Passage. That's Regium. Yeah. Okay. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. There we are. So, and then they go up to one of the major ports that are on that side of uh, Italy. Yep. Uh, uh, yes, Petioli, which was a Roman, um, as well as well as being a, a, a major port, and Claudius had even expanded it so that it was like there were three big ports. This was the biggest one. Um, it was also very beautiful. Apparently, I'm not 100% sure where it is, but apparently that part of the coast is very pretty, and uh, and a lot of uh, Romans would would build holiday villas down there, and a sizable Jewish community was there, and who else is there? What does our text tell us? The believers. Where did they come from? Because remember. Paul has never been to Rome. He's actually written his letter to Rome already. Romans has already been written. 
uh, and now he is going there for the first time. He's arrived, and there are believers. Who brought them the gospel? Were there there already Jews in Rome at that time? Oh, yes. So it could be people that went on pilgrimage to Jerusalem and became believers in the meantime. Correct. And then they spread. Now, remember that we have several incidences where Jews are expelled from Rome. Now, when it says Jews are expelled from Rome, I know what it says. Now, we tend to imply all Jews got kicked out of Rome. But that's not what it means. Because the, the, the Jewish community in Rome it was approximately 50,000 people. And we have no recorded instances of 50,000 people being kicked out of anywhere. Okay? Apart from perhaps like England and Spain and places like that. But, so during the uh, persecutions where they, where they kicked out Jews, they kicked out the leadership. They kicked out large numbers of the troublemakers. They might have expelled three or four thousand of them. But you would have kept the rest. Why? Make money. Yeah. Right? There's a, and the, the, the ones that caused problems were all the missionaries. So before... No, that's, that's the reason why they kept kicking them out. So for, several, for about 50 years prior to Jesus... The Jewish people in Rome constantly had this problem with the Romans because they were proselytizing. Yeah, because they kept saying, Your gods are rubbish. (laughs) This is stone. I mean, you made it. I mean, what are you worshipping that thing for? Um, And and sometimes the Romans would react by kicking those, those groups out. Oh, which synagogue are you from? Let's rip that one down. But the other ones that don't cause problem, we'll keep them. And so there was this um, little bit. So somehow we get believers. We don't know who they are. We don't get any of their names. So who did he write the book to? The letter to Rome? He's writing to the believers in Rome. And what had happened is there had been an expulsion. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And then then the Jews were coming back. Okay. And so now we have a Christian community, Gentile, receiving Jewish believers back and they're causing tension. And Paul writes them and says, no, this is not right. So the book of Romans was written before this event? Yes, correct. Okay. But when did the other, what are the other apostles that actually go to Rome? Right, we have a tradition that Peter goes to Rome, because that's where he dies. Um, uh, uh, we don't, I don't know of any of the other apostles that get there. Mark is in Egypt, uh, Thomas is off east. Uh, Andrew's heading north um, I'm not 100% sure but somehow the community grows and not only that when Paul's in Rome and he's going to have a meeting with the uh, Jewish leadership what do the Jewish leadership ask him about? they say everyone's talking about this, this movement yeah. right? I mean it's, it's gripping the Roman Empire I mean it's spreading like wildfire isn't that kind of cool? Mm-hmm. So, uh, they come to, uh, can you please pronounce this, Puteoli? Puteoli? Puteoli. Okay, and we meet the believers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, and they meet the brothers, okay? So they meet some believers. And Paul is really encouraged. Right? Now, he has the spirit. He's had angelic visitations. He's had Jesus speak to him personally. He's been bitten by a snake, hasn't died. 
He's cured people at the Brass Razu. He is, you know, a great doctor. Better than Luke. <laughs> Who is a doctor? I mean, Luke's going, no, you're not fair, you know. <laughs> God, all this training for nothing. Okay. But he still meets a human believer, a brother in the Lord, and still encourages him. Think about that. Because that's our job, is to encourage each other. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter whether you're the pastor, it doesn't matter whether you're Billy Graham, right? You, can, you still need encouragement from the brothers. You still need one of your brothers to come and say, you know, the Lord bless you, the Lord, may God's angels keep you. you know? tell, tell me what you need, I will pray for you right now. In fact, we're all going to come around and do it. And, uh, and he is encouraged by that. So much so that he gets to stay a week with them. Paul, uh, when he wrote Romans, of course, he knew a lot of the people, Christians in Rome, and he's never been there. He's never he been there. He knows a lot of people. Yeah. But he begins by saying that uh, I want to impart some spiritual gift to you, and he says so that we might um, mutually encourage each other's faith. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we want our goal should be to encourage others, but also we, we are encouraged. Yep. There's that two-way yeah. bit that goes... Um, so even though even though Jesus does say it's more blessed to give than receive, it's still also a blessing to receive. <laughs> but it's still better to give. But it's also a blessing to, to receive too. Uh, they kind of go with each other too. I mean, when you when you bless someone else, you get it. You get it. Yeah, that's right. So the um, he eventually uh, he comes to Rome. I mean, this whole journey, right? So he finally got Paul to Rome. And, uh, and it's almost like, you know, the, the, the high point of the, 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 the movie with me get to the bad guy, but then it stops. The, the chapter is, after this chapter, that's it. Okay. So we get to Rome. Why are we in Rome? Why are we, why did we go to Rome in the first place? Well, yeah, because we're in, we're on trial. Okay, so we're, and, uh, and, and, and Yeshua, Jesus, said, said was, this was going to happen. So they come and they meet him. There's, they already sent, sent letters ahead. The, the brothers are coming. He's um, greatly uh, encouraged. And uh, it says, when we got to Rome, this is in, uh, in uh, Luke's got another one of those we passages, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier, now unnamed, not a centurion, just a normal soldier, to guard him. So the Western text, this is Alexandrian text, Western Acts adds, has an extra sentence. It says, when we got to Rome, the, the rest of the prisoners were given over, and it names the place where they were given. But Paul, he could go where he wanted. Wow. Right? So by this stage, yes, he has won lots of favor. So the Romans like, no, we're fine. We're just going to give him a soldier. Now, we often say that he was chained up. Do you think that's true? No. Right, I don't think so. Yes, it's a, the guard probably walked around with him, but this whole idea that it was actually chained, yeah. by this stage, I don't think so. It, it kind of depends on when you think he wrote the uh, prison epistles. Correct, yes. Because in the prison epistles he said he was. Correct. So he's so not a, he's he wrote not, them from Rome. It, right. But he could have written them from Caesar. Well, he he this he doesn't get killed in this in in our acts. He's not dead, right? Right. So the history of Eusebius, who writes a history, says that Paul went to Spain, came back, and was imprisoned by Nero. Right. 
right? Mm -hmm. And if that's true, although it's Eusebius, okay, so it could be, if that's true, some of those epistles could have been written then, in that incarceration, right? This one seems to imply he's quite the hero, because mm -hmm. even his opponents don't even, are not his opponents, right? So some of the epistles would have been written after this time? We're not 100% sure. Um, there are lists about when different epistles were written, and they always are different. Um, so what we don't know is how many times Paul was Correct. How many trips? Correct. We, we, the current thinking is, or the traditional thinking is three. Three missionary journeys, uh, one trip to Rome. Yeah, only one time. Eusebius says, no, 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 he went, he went to Spain. Which, which, which means there's a fourth missionary journey of which we have no information about. Well, the pastoral epistles seem to give us indication, you know, that he made some other trips and, you know, where he And went. wrote other letters. Right. Right? So, yes. And of which we, we don't have. Um, uh, we have hints of them and names of them, but we don't have, have the actual copies themselves. Those prison epistles were written in Caesarea. He could have been enchained then. In that one, yes. Because he's had a really good experience with this imperial centurion. Yeah. And, and it appears, if you're under house arrest, that you're not Correct. in chains. Correct. Yeah. And he seems to be free to go and, yeah. and, 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 uh, and welcome and, and receive visitors and things. Um, in the, when he's actually in Rome, now Rome is his you know, Giant capital uh, in terms of like the, the 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 Roman world. A million people live in a single city. I mean that's impressive, right? Um, so it says uh, three days later. So he's set himself up in his little house. Uh, he calls together the local Jewish leaders. So Paul's not afraid to go and meet with his um, fellow Jewish brothers. Now who else is with him at the moment? Luke, uh, Aristarchus. I mean, we don't know. Perhaps he wasn't in prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was not in China, though. Otherwise, he wouldn't visit his brothers. Right. In verse 14, he was urged to stay with them for seven days. Yes. They, they really. No, that's right, yeah. And the Romans let him. Yeah. Right? Their job was to take him to Rome. But look, out of everything that's happened, no, if you want to stay, we're, we're with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, uh,. Uh, and again, it still doesn't say, and he made five of them believers or whatever. Just, we're not sure. So after three days, he calls together the local Jewish leaders. And uh, when they assemble, Paul uh, says, my brothers. Okay, so he identifies with his kin, his blood kin. Okay, these are his brothers. Uh, although I've done nothing against our people. Okay, I haven't done anything against, against our people. Or against the, our customs of our ancestors, the traditions. Uh, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and they wanted to release me. This is the Romans. Uh, because I'm not guilty of anything that deserves death. I've been tried. Um, however, the Jews objected. Okay. So I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. And so I am. So I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. Okay. So he still identifies as a, as a Jewish person. Okay. Uh, after he's written Romans. 
So for this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you about it, because of the hope of Israel, I am bound. Okay, in these in in this chain. So we, because of the term, I'm bound in this chain. We think he's in shackles, right? But yeah, it's, it could be an idiom. Okay. But what is the hope of Israel? The Messiah. Okay, the hope is that the Messiah will come. And he happens to believe the Messiah has come. And because I happen to think the Messiah has come, here I am. Uh, I'm under house arrest. I've got myself a Roman guard here. And I'm going to one day eventually see, see uh, uh, the big boss. And they reply, we have not received any letters from Judea. So obviously Jerusalem you know, hasn't bothered to send a charge. Why would they not do that? They really wanted to kill Paul. And yet, when he finally leaves the shores, it's like, oh, out of sight, out of mind. Or maybe they did send letters and they never got through. Shipwrecked somewhere, maybe. Who knows? Maybe um, their accusations in writing didn't hold as much water as like the emotional slander. Yeah, that's right. I wrote this down and then I looked at it the next morning and went, uh oh. <laughs> Good thing I'll send that one, yeah. Oh, that's basically what I was going to say too. I mean, uh, they might have been talked out of it by a lawyer saying that this isn't going to... This isn't going to fly. Yeah. You don't want to send us anywhere near here, Rome. You can maybe work yeah. over here. But yeah. They'll kill you over there. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so they, they quite honest. Uh, we've actually not received anything about this. We didn't even know you were coming. Um, and, uh, and none of our people who have come from there have reported or said anything about you. So even the Roman community who's been to Jerusalem hasn't heard of Paul. Yes, that is interesting. Okay, so... Hmm. Down yeah. The, it could even it go against um, I mean if this was at all proselytizing um, mm-hmm. book right. I mean the attempts of this uh, text was to proselytize my proselytes or to mission mm-hmm. this would could be a dangerous passage. Could be. <coughs> <coughs> Particularly so, when... Once again, yeah. could be a proof that this was not a uh, book uh, written with the intent to or to... Well, it's, it's sacred history because it has people being baptized and saved and mm-hmm. demons cast out all through it. And yet when we get to this bit, um, somehow a little bit of that drops off. But we do get this bit we want to hear your view of all this Jesus stuff. Because, <laughs> you know, we're, 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 yeah, while you're here, um, the Gentiles are believing, the Jews are believing, you know, what's going on, we're fighting each other, we're being kicked out, we're coming back, uh, people are re- reading all kinds of letters. Um, you know, uh, we've heard that there's a Messiah, is it true? What do you say? And so... Um, so they arranged to meet. So we're going to have a debate. Good old Jewish, you know, hardcore debate. So uh, on a certain day, uh, Paul, large numbers come.
to the place where they were staying. And he witnessed to them, right, from morning until evening, explaining about... So he, he has his opportunity to talk. And what is it that he talks about? Well, it says quite deliberate. What does it say? Kingdom of God. What, Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Jesus rose, showed that he was alive by many convincing proofs, stayed on the planet for 40 more days and spoke about the kingdom, kingdom of God. So the start of the book, the end of the book, now close it off. And that is a very Jewish way of talking. Okay. And, uh, and you see those kinds of phrases all throughout the Bible. For example, in Genesis, in this Torah portion that we've just finished, Joseph had been thrown into a bore, a cistern, a pit, by his brothers. And then the next time you see the word bore, even though he's actually in jail, he's in a, he's in a Beit Sohar, okay, in, 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 in a jail, it says Pharaoh took him out of the bore. His brothers put him in, and he stayed in this. He was under domination, he was under Potiphar, he was convicted, he was thrown into jail. But then who took him out of the board? Pharaoh. And turned him into number two. And uh, when you see those kind of things link up, you go, wow, look at how that worked. Um, uh, and, that's, and it's the same here. In Acts chapter 1, we start with Jesus saying, I'm talking to you about the kingdom of God. It's all about the kingdom of God. And when you finally get all the way through, you finally get the gospel to Rome, they already believe in Rome. So he doesn't bring the gospel for the very first time. It's already there. But he has the opportunity to continue to talk about the kingdom of God. Because it's about God being a king. So he's going to talk to them about the kingdom of God. He's going to talk about them from the, from the Torah of Moses and from the prophets. And Jesus. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is simply the unfolding of history according to no. God? No, no, no. And according, as reflected into the Tanakh? No, that would be no. sacred history. So the, the kingdom of heaven, Malchut HaShemaim, that's the way you would say it in Hebrew, doesn't occur in the Hebrew Bible. It's not, not there. Um, it, it, is, it is a... Uh, 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 the word, the term, is an invention during the Second Temple period when it's trying to talk about how God rules and reigns on the planet. Right. So he, he is a king. He's a king. So a there is... But I mean, is by this concept, by this idiom, king of the kingdom of God, is what the intent, I mean, what the theology of the New Testament also intends, Correct. is the way God manifests himself and his acting into this world, through history, through whatever's going on. A bit more than that. That reflects itself by the writing, the, in the writing of the Bible. Okay, so... Because here, as it puts it down, seems in, in verse... Uh, in the end of verse 23, seems to me, it's this to me. Yeah, so no, the, the kingdom of heaven... The kingdom of God is, uh, God is a king. Mm 
that's uh, one of the things we, we, we know from Scripture himself, that God is a king. There is no command in the Torah to obey a king. There's a command to obey who? God. But there's no command in the Bible to obey a king. Okay. In fact, the only command that a king has in the entire Torah is he has one command, one mitzvah. That's when he becomes the king, he writes out the Bible. That's it. There's nothing that says, and then the king will do this, and the king will do that. There's limitations on what the king can have. He's not allowed to have lots of wives. He's not allowed to have lots of money. He's not allowed to have lots of horses. What they, the, the, the Torah does its best to put lots of restrictions on a human king. But all Jewish blessings have Nah, That's because, so the human facet of kingship is it's got to be small, 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 small. You're going to have them. The Torah says you will have a king, right? It doesn't say go make one. It says when you have one, this is how you limit him. Like you're not to be like the other kings because your real king is that guy. Now he's king. He always was king. He is king and he will be king. So he's ruling and reigning. So his, where he rules and reigns is called Melchut HaShemam, the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven can be here even when under Roman occupation. So you can have a Roman soldier standing right there. But I'm still in the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is when God is ruling and reigning in my, of my life. And so my actions reflect that God is a king. And so in, in, in English we pray, may your kingdom come. Right? And in Hebrew... And when you say it and translate it back into English, it says, may my, uh, may my actions give honor and glory to your name and may your kingdom be made manifest. Or continues to expand. Jesus saying, my kingdom not on the earth. It's not of the flesh. It's, of, yeah. it's not of flesh. Right. But it's still here. Because like, Jesus is your king right now. right? He's, yeah. he's in charge of your heart right now. Yeah. Yes, so you are in the kingdom of heaven. And when Ling Ling leaves, where's the kingdom of heaven? It follows her. And, and so the, the, the concept, the kingdom of heaven, only occurs in the second temple period. It doesn't occur in the Hebrew Bible. But the New Testament knows it, because it is also a second temple period Jewish text, and is reflecting it. So he, he describes the kingdom of God. More than what it's what we say in the, um, uh, the, the father, our father's prayer. Yes, absolutely. Oh, it's way, way more than that. So it's not just when the will of God is done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, as it is, it is not actually there in Greek. The actual word is and. The, the kingdom is to reign and to rule. The actual, the actual prayer should be, may your will be done on earth and in heaven. Yeah. I think it's connected to Christ, you know, saying that we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world because right. we're of the kingdom of God. Well, yes, but also remember, God still loves the world. So, so the world's still pretty important. Well, the teaching of Jesus always yeah. reflects. And the meek shall inherit the earth. Yeah, not heaven. Meek inherit the earth. Our reward is the earth. The world manifests itself. Correct, because in Revelation, where does heaven eventually end up? 
Oh, no, they, they, yes. they join together. Sorry? We have absolutely no clue how that plays out because that, we've never seen that happen. But but anyway, so in terms of like just to, just to look go through this section, but you and I can have another discussion on on the concept kingdom of heaven because it's really important. Um, sure. So he discusses the kingdom of, of heaven, kingdom of God, just like they did in Acts chapter one. That same concept has come through. He discusses and, and proves that Jesus is the Messiah from the Torah and from the prophets. Okay, which which um, version of the Bible is he going to be doing it from? Okay, so right. So he's going to say they're having a discussion and argument over the Bible and whether Jesus is not the Messiah. So when he quotes the Bible, what Bible is he quoting? He's quoting Greek Bible. And he says, Septuagint, and he says, uh, they disagreed among themselves and they began to leave. And, and then Paul makes a final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth. How? Through the prophet. So he believes in inspiration of scripture. And he starts to quote, except he's quoting Greek. So he's not just saying that the Hebrew Bible is inspired. He's also saying the Greek Bible is inspired. Isn't that interesting? Holy Spirit can speak through Greek. Holy Spirit can speak through Hebrew. Holy Spirit can speak through Japanese Bibles. can speak through Dutch Bibles. And so sometimes we've gotten so concerned about making sure that which books are in our Bible, which version we're trying to read. There you go. And, uh, and, and, and that's just not true. Okay, and so the, the the Holy Spirit speaks through the texts and speaks through prophecies. It, this is true, absolutely. And there's no way that you can say that a Japanese person reading their Bible in Japanese isn't falling in love with Jesus. Okay, because they are all Russia. And so you get that prophecy from Isaiah, where he he Paul is chastising them to the ones that are leaving, saying, "Guys, you just never get it. Doesn't matter what I say." But of course, there's some that do believe. Yeah. So you, you can't, we can't take these texts and say, "See, Paul is getting rid of the the Jewish element from from his tradition," because he's already identified, "I'm still Jewish, right? Uh, I, I wouldn't do anything against my people." And uh, and then he ends up saying, "I'm now going to uh, just concentrate with with Gentiles." Uh, he's actually said this before. This is not his first time. Okay, he said several times, okay, I'm done. Only to turn around and go to a synagogue the very next day. Okay, so he says it again. And, uh, and then you get that interesting little phrase at the end. He stays two years in Rome. You don't get any hint of his uh, execution. There's no hint of his trial before Caesar. There's no result of what happens in either case. The text just stops. So what do we see of his death? Sorry? What was killed? We only have a historian. Okay, historians write. And, um, and so Eusebius writes uh, about Paul's death. But he's, right, he's quoting from other sources, which are not in our Bible. So there are other books like the Acts of Peter and the Acts of Paul. 
which some of them may have some true true documentation and others will be heavily uh, edited and therefore not considered canon in, in most people's in any Bibles. Um, uh, but we, we, so we, we, we have a, an idea that Peter is killed in, in Rome, hung on a tree, uh, hung on a, a cruci uh, crucified upside down, which we get from a text called the Acts of Peter, which are not in our Bible. Okay? But they are quoted by people so many times that we all believe that Peter was executed upside down. Right? And, um, and we believe that Paul was beheaded because the uh, books like the Acts of Paul describe his end. Now, whether, whether, whether those documents are true, the early church fathers thought that, that parts of them were true. Sure. Yeah, that's uh, out. Remember, this is sacred history, and it's the story of how we get to Rome. That's all. We have no history of how the gospel gets to Egypt. We have no history of how the gospel gets to Armenia or uh, to Ethiopia. Although we know that those communities embraced the faith very early. The Armenians are the first Christians. Right? The, the Ethiopians are the second. Well, wasn't that guy that Stephen uh, witnessed to and baptized from Ethiopia? Right. And it's, it's one paragraph, mm -hmm. and then it disappears in Acts chapter 8, and you get no more information. You have no idea what happened to that guy. He and went you, home and that's it. Yep. started the church. Well, <laughs> the, you, your guess is as good as mine. Started a church, he wouldn't have no concept how to do that. He was very happy. The Holy that. Spirit. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah. He was driving down the road. Yes. Yeah. Actually, uh, Matthew 16, Jesus took the disciple to Caesarea Philippi. And he said, I shall build my church upon the rock. Yeah. Remember? So if you think this is a kingdom, it's a real proclamation of kingdom, it's church. Which means have to build upon the rock. Uh, you will say, well, where is the church up there? I don't see a building. That was a totally misunderstood because Jesus always referred to physical and take it up to spiritual. All his teaching all the way like this, right? So the kingdom of God, actually Paul was preaching the gospel of kingdom. This kingdom is not on earth. It's a physical, it's a spiritual realm. Walking in this yeah, spiritual realm. Spiritual realm. This is where... This is where I, I will disagree with you on, on the point that, uh, yes, yes, God is ruling and reigning in reigning the heavens. In the spiritual realm. But he's also ruling and reigning here. Yeah. Of course. Yes. So it is. There is God is ruling and reigning right here. For God so loved the meek inherit the earth. This earth is unbelievably important to God. It's, it's not happen chance. It's not an accident. The, the reason why God made roses is because He likes them. Paul described this resurrection. He used one word, outstanding resurrection. Yeah. Which means the later Adam turned into the life-giving spirits. The first Adam fell. He didn't make it out. 
to really restore the nations after we fell. But the later Adam was Christ himself, yes. turned into the life-giving spirit. He's also a human. A human, but also living in us. We are human, yeah, yeah, yeah. living in us. But Jesus is also a human. A human, right. Still. But he's a perfect man. Correct. Perfect and also it's very Jewish actually to believe that God is here. Yeah. It's not. I mean, the, the transcendence of God is a very Christian... He's both. See that in, in Jewish... Yeah. No, in Jewish I mean, they believe that God is actually in We, you know, they say we are part of God. I mean, that God is in us more than actually Christians generally do. We have this... We tend to have mm, association. They, no, they, it's, it's very similar. It's, it's very similar. In, in God is here and he's up there. He's a friend and he's a king. He is, he is an all-consuming fire. At the same time, he's, like, he's both at exactly the same time. Yeah. We, as humans, we can't think of that. We try. So we create words. Jewish people have done it because we inherit it from them. Do exactly the same thing. They also run on different tangents. So you have communities that will only concentrate on God being remote, so much so that they create levels to get to him, right? the Kabbalah, the Ten Sefirot. And then there are other ones that will only talk about God being close and, and, and never consider the, the Avenu Bahashamayim concept. He's just... And, uh, and so, but he's both. And, but one day, one day, he'll be... He'll be, he'll, he'll be be able to see him as he is. Yes. Yeah, Romans 9 or 6 or 11 says that his, his unsearchable is close, so we can't understand him that's why. Yeah. Alright guys. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.